Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the evolution of a snake. I am Miss Americana, and this is the Heartbreak Prince. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Lover came out. I don't think we're prepared to talk about it, but release week hit us pretty hard. Release week, uh, <laughs> release week and a half is still hitting me pretty hard. We weren't even in attendance for any release week events, and we still have been reeling from what's been going on. I thought that this year, 2011 Part 2, was actually really important. So I was looking through it last night, the notes that we have, and I was like, well, it seems like not a lot is happening, but it was actually like a very personal year of evolution, shedding of a skin. Reading the diary entry that she wrote, one of them that she wrote kind of pre-read, I feel like every single song that I write for this album is like the best yet and blah, blah, blah. Well, she was right. (laughs) yeah so it's like this I to me whenever I think about it so like when I've been trying to do the rankings of the albums including Lover I can only do it from Red forward because including Fearless and Speak Now it's like they uh, even Speak Now to me at this point is so I don't know like I it's just I can't listen to it the same way that I used to because it's it's just like younger not that it's immature I just mean that it's younger It just doesn't feel like the Taylor we have come to know now. Exactly, exactly. And I think Red really was kind of like the the start of her like true like adulthood maturity. When she was writing the album, 2011, you know, it was just like this like huge like everything's changing all of a sudden. Even though she kind of seemed the same back then, in hindsight, it's just like completely different from Speak Now to Red. It's so fucking different. There's one major change at the end of the year, which we'll get into, obviously, but that was the catalyst for us, at least realizing that she was going through some sort of major transformation. And I think that this was the year she decided, because the Speak Now tour was so successful, I think she decided this year she was like, oh, I'm going to be a pop star. I'm going to work with Max Martin. I'm going to get those bops and I'm going to deliver it to those hungry, undeserving rats. Yep. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) So we start... 2011 part two with photo blogs throughout the era on her website and I really like these pictures you know the black and whites ones of her on the beach with Caitlin and other agency members that I always think of whenever I think of the photo blogs those pictures are icon eek (laughs) I love them and this is also the funny thing about this year is that it's really like the precursor to her obsession with the Kennedys which I think is really funny because she kind of starts dressing like one. She's getting to that. <laughs> I hate that shit. I love that Taylor has these weird hyper fixations. Like I can really relate. I just get very obsessed with things for short periods of time. Um, never one as dramatic as going as far to try and infiltrate a family. But <laughs> uh, I mean, you if you know, had the opportunity, you would do it. <laughs> for sure. hundred percent. I mean, if I could become Taylor Swift adjacent and get into her life, I would. And she's kind of taking a break from men at this stage, but there is, there are like two or three kind of sparks that happen this year. And one of them is with Garrett Hedlund and Gwen oh, Paltrow. Shit introduces Taylor to him and they go out for dinner together. I had forgotten that completely. This was a big deal. Uh, I had forgotten that too, but I remember this being a big deal because I think that was during the time when, so this was when the Hunger Games was starting to get filmed. This is so random. But so there were a lot of fan casts for uh, Finnick O'Dare and Garrett Ooh, was Hedlund, he one of them? Garrett Hedlund was going to be Finnick O'Dare and I was so fucking into it. I was like, he's so fucking hot and he looks just like him. And then the rumors about Taylor and him going out, I was just like, this is like, this is <laughs> fucking meant to be. Yeah, this, this shit is, is in, in different, different areas. Fucking areas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what, that's kind of the only thing that I remember about the Garrett and Taylor thing um, was that I was fucking into it. <laughs> It didn't last very long. I really genuinely think it was just one date. And like to us, we're always like, oh, this relationship, this song is about this person, like obscure relationships. But I really feel like, you know, she was in her early 20s. Like she was just, you know, going out on dates. She probably went on one date with him and was like, wow, he's gorgeous, but he's super boring. And I would guess that he is. Yep. (laughs) I would think that he is. And she's in and out of New York for the summer. And this is when she really starts to get papped a lot. Because I feel like before the paps were following her on a uh, case-by-case basis, I would say that her old publicist, Paula, definitely put in a few calls to get her papped. But now she's kind of like at that level of success. So there are a lot of candidates of her walking down the street. And it is weird to see because she doesn't have any security with her. 
it's just her and like maybe Caitlin or one of her friends or like one security guard but now you see her and it's like everybody's staying 15 feet away and there's like eight security guards if we see her we barely ever do but if we do it's just interesting to see the difference so throughout the summer she's still doing the tour and on June 12th she does the CMA Fest I loved this performance because we hadn't yet gotten the Speak Now tour DVD so I really liked seeing the gold dress and a nicely filmed presentation she did Sparks Fly, The Story of Us, Our Song, Mean, Fearless, You Belong With Me, and Love Story. She completely forgets that mine was the first single off of the album, apparently. I really like that performance, too, actually. Now that we're bringing it up, Sparks Fly on CMA Fest that year was iconic. Wow, that was it a sticks moment. sticks with me. Yep, it was a fucking moment. And it was shot really well. And I like all the candidates of her, like, going through the crowd. And then June 25th and 26th, she played... The iconic, much-discussed, and overhyped rain shows at Gillette Stadium. And if everyone that attended those shows could just do me a favor and shut the fuck up, that would be (laughs) really, really good. I have have a particular aversion to bragging about that fucking show because that was the show that I was supposed to go to. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, it's it's very, it's a, it's still to this day, it really was back then, but now I, it still makes me really fucking mad. They're like, I was at the Gillette Stadium rain show. It's like, well, congratulations. You know how many rain shows there have been since that one? That's what I'm saying. There's there's been many. I mean, MetLife had a few this year. The thing is that, like, about the rain show is that I don't know how jealous I am of the fact that you stood there in the pouring rain and couldn't take any videos because your phone would have been destroyed. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like, let me tell you, I it. went to a rain show and it's not fun. I was cold. I was wet. I was unhappy. I couldn't sit down in my chair during New Year's Day. It was really bad. You being in the rain is not the fun part. No, it's, it's just her. Trailer. And I can watch that from my couch. Exactly. <laughs> I will say <laughs> yeah. that the videos of her doing Long Live from Gillette, I will say oh, yeah. a little yeah. bit iconic. I don't want to give them anything, yeah. but that was a little bit iconic. <laughs> um, the one that I always think of is is um, the, the finale, the encore, when she's wearing the big dress. Oh, yeah. And on she, the balcony. Like, she like picks it up and she like runs through the rain. I think about that a lot. That's actually, it's really it's cute. We're like, okay, everybody shut up. But it was kind of iconic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a little bit, but we don't want to hear about it anymore. And then on July 18th, Taylor finally feeds us and releases Sparks Fly as a single. It is received positively by music critics. I believe that this didn't crack the top 10, which shocks me because it's one of the better single choices from Speak Now, I guess. She released it as a tour video, which screwed it from the start. Like, it was screwed from the beginning because it was the tour video. But it still could have performed well. But the second thing is that she didn't promo it. She pretty much just, like, vomited out this tour video <laughs> and was like, here's it, here you go. Like, she, it's, it was never performed at an award show that I'm aware of. Like, she didn't, you know, like, put it out there. Like, That's here's, true. here's my song, Sparks Fly. It, it was just kind of like, it was like new romantics or every song that's given the tour video, which is kind of like forgotten about. Well, like, it, and that really disappoints me because Sparks Fly is such a cinematic song. I say this about a lot of Taylor songs, but that one really is like pure drama. Like if she had done yes. just a gold, the, the Cavalli gold dress, if she had just worn that and gone on stage at like the AMAs or something, it would have been iconic. I always like to think about what the video would have been like too, if it hadn't been a tour video. And it's like the possibilities are endless. I know the looks that could have been, been served. So fucking good 10 days later it is the speak now tour stop in grand rapids you may be asking why is that significant you know who's from grand rapids taylor lautner she changes the (laughs) lyrics in back to december from if chain is on your door i understand to this is for the boy from michigan and it was like taylor this one you gotta let it go already (laughs) you have to move (laughs) on like at that point like it has been too long for her to still kind of like be addressing the issue she could have just sat there and ate her food she, and sang the fucking she song could have she didn't. and looked sad but she had to like you know give us a little bit of drama which is what i love about yeah. her but <laughs> yeah. it is it's a little excessive i i kind of miss when she used to like do shit like that like you know like she wouldn't say anything specifically to us but she would like feed us the drama somehow some way by like you know vaguely or ambiguously give us the drama but it was like an arm lyric or like we would know something that was going on in her life just because we stalk her life all the time mm. and now you can't do shit like that 
I have no the fuck idea what's going on with her. Nope. Time. And I also hate. No fucking clue. She used to do Easter eggs so much before she actually called them Easter eggs. And they were way better back then because they felt like authentic, genuine moments where she was trying to communicate something to us rather than being like, these dice on my shorts, like, suggested a line from Cruel Summer. It's like, okay, that's not interesting to me, and I would never be able to figure it out except in hindsight. Not fun when you have to wait months to decipher them. It just shows that she has a weird analytical brain. It's fun if, like, in the video, she was like, okay, so the album title is in the video. You know, whatever the fuck, find it. And then somebody found it, and she was like, yep, that's it. And then she had the whole announcement. But, like, that's not how she did it. It was just like, Oh, find the album title. Nobody's found it. Okay, bye. And then vanished. And we, everybody had found it. I had to listen to people talking about kaleidoscope this (laughs) and kaleidoscope (laughs) that and this that for months because she just because everybody was trying so hard to find something. I don't know. The Easter egg thing. I could go on and on and fucking on. It is. It is so stupid. But the point we're trying to make is that when they were authentic and felt. Like, they were links to her actual life rather than her music or her career. They were interesting because it gave us, like, a little glimpse into her life beyond just being a pop star. Exactly. Actually, you know what's a really good one? A really good Easter egg that just, like, popped into my head is um, in Last Kiss when she's talking about July 9th. That is an Easter egg. Yes. It's like, figure out who this song is about July 9th. Of epic proportion. And we did. That is an Easter egg. Whatever the fuck was going on with the Lover era. The pre love that was torturous. That was just it, hurtful it was to me. Demonic <laughs> it was evil. So I thought this was funny. I was I was going through the past photos of the summer because she was out and about a lot this summer despite being on tour. Um, but she was packed in Nashville carrying the free gift Wonderstruck bag before Wonderstruck was announced. <laughs> <laughs> like months. God, before. and you know when the Wonderstruck purse came out and it came out as a fucking free gift i lost my fucking mind when i remembered that she actually used the purse i used that purse to death i mean it's cute i, I will say it's I, cute. I think it's nice over it. yeah it was i just i like patch patchy kind of stuff you know like patchwork mm-hmm. so i was really fucking into it i wish i don't know what happened to it i lost it somewhere between high school and college it just like between dorm room to dorm room just vanished but um <sighs> I miss it. August 7th, Taylor attends the Teen Choice Awards in a white Marilyn Monroe dress kind of thing. She's starting to put her hair up a lot. So she's doing like a high pony with bangs-ish. And she sits looking friendly with Justin Bieber. I think this is really funny. I think it's hilarious because they clearly fucking hate each other now. And she dances with Selena Gomez to One Direction. And I think it's so funny to watch videos of that because she's looking... She's, like, trying so hard to look like she's not completely obsessed with Harry Styles. I was wondering why that night kind of sticks out in my mind. And, you know, the outfit is, like, I can see it in my brain when I close my eyes. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why. It's because so much shit happened that night. That was, like, a precursor. Yeah, (laughs) there was so much. Other things. Again, with the Easter eggs. Easter eggs, unintentional Easter eggs are the best one. (laughs) She also poses for a picture with Taylor Lautner, who she just can't seem to let go. I wish they were still friends today. You know what? Me too. I would love to see a picture (laughs) of them in this day and age. So then on August 18th, Rolling Stone interviews Taylor about the Speak Now tour. She starts to talk about the Tea Party, which begins the official... (laughs) Taylor narrative on what exactly the tea party is how you get picked for it and why she does it so she says she has this thing called the tea party and during the show I have people scour the audience for the craziest people out there the ones that paint their faces or cover themselves in balloons or dress up like a banana or wrap themselves in Christmas lights or dress up as my alter ego tea swizzle sometimes I'll say row 14 six seats in go get that seven-year-old girl who knows all the lyrics to Dear John I have some things to say about this so first of all (laughs) this is like the purest form of fan selection this is how it all began right like there's no Taylor Nation bullshit there's no like trying to get their attention on the internet it's just you go to the show and if you're having a really good time and if you dress up you get picked and you meet her no rule nothing I will say that I don't believe for a second in my life that Taylor ever saw someone and said, row 14, six seats in, go and get that <laughs> seven-year-old girl who knows the words it's, to Dear John. Why does a seven-year-old girl know the words gonna to Dear John? Me, if you're fucking going to tell me that Taylor, you know, on stage, glare of the lights in her eyes, <laughs> singing the, her heart out, Dear John. 
going off. And she looks out at the audience and somehow, some way, she sees knows. And it's like 50 feet back, sees a tiny seven year old girl. And she can see her singing along. all the words on the floor. Like, I just don't think so. No. The only people that she can like genuinely see and see what they're doing Front row. are like the people who are like, you know, that maybe like five to 10 feet back, she can see them if she's looking. But I don't think she looks that hard. No, she doesn't. You know what I mean? I've been in the front no, row a few either. times, and I can tell you that she doesn't really examine closely everybody in the front row. Like, she's performing. She has other things to focus on. She's not, like, sitting there trying to see who's a big fan to meet. I don't think she has ever looked at someone in the crowd while on stage and been like, go and get that person. Because how would she divide her attention like that? In this interview, she also says she was asked about what books she had read recently. And her answer is, I just read a 900-page book called The Kennedy Women, which goes back to the first Kennedy woman coming from Ireland in the 1800s. She planted this seed and it harvested. (laughs) Fucking psycho. She's crazy. I love her. She's so weird. And this was like a public thing as well. Like she talked about the Kennedys for like a good while before she got with yield Connor Kennedy. And do I think she was really into him? I mean... Or do I think she was just into the fact that he was a Kennedy? That had to have been the entire attraction. Not that he was ugly, but I mean, I perp taste in men is iffy to begin with. Iffy to begin with. But he also was like a kid. It was weird. There's no way he was mature. I mean, come on. So after this interview on August 28th, I think she does a show in LA. I think that's where it was. Who's in the crowd but Taylor Lautner. (laughs) And she hugs him (laughs) and she walks through. And she has Nicki Minaj arm lyrics that night. What? What? <laughs> what were she they? had she had some lyrics from uh, Moment for Life. So I think she was, you know, being extra emo because you know who else went to two shows of this same run? Joe Jonas. Yeah, so Joe Jonas also attends two of these shows. And I just wanted to point out some uh, nice arm lyrics that I found. I didn't want to do all of them because they're not really interesting. Um, but some of them are, you know, a little indicative of what she's going through on tour. Uh, so one is for one desperate moment, he crept back into her memory. It took a while to understand the beauty of just letting go. I guess we're all one phone call from our knees. That's my favorite. And then this one was very her. I slept in castles and fell in love because I was taught to dream. That's very Speak Mm. Now tour-esque. Yes. And then she has... I dream of things that never were and ask why not. You know who said that? JFK. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> she, oh my God. Not this. She's obsessed. This is the Easter egg era if I've ever seen it before. What the fuck is wrong with her? She is so weird. Did she think that we weren't going to notice? Like, why was she doing these things? This is, is my why she doesn't give us Easter eggs anymore, because we drag her when we put it all together. Yeah, I, I mean, Jesus Christ. And on one of the nights that Joe Jonas is in the crowd, she writes, after all that we've been through, I know we're cool. Love that yeah, song. Yeah, I, I actually remember that. I remember that one in specific, and everybody kind of, like, lost their shit over it. Because I guess that was the beginning of them kind of, like, starting to talk again. And it's funny to me because out of everyone, Jake Gyllenhaal excluded, out of everyone, Joe Jonas, I don't know, they just had like the weirdest progression. It's like, I I know. And they're like friends now. He went to three shows on the Speak Now tour. That's weird for me because it's not exactly like they were on. I mean, maybe they were on speaking terms, but three shows, that's a little, you know, it's a little excessive. excessive. Sometimes I wonder if like maybe at some point they tried, I don't know. I've actually never thought this before, but I'm thinking it right now. Like, what if they, like, if they ever, like, try to, like, rekindle the relationship or something? It wouldn't surprise me because Holy Ground kind of hints at something a little more recent. A little bit. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It feels like, it, it almost doesn't feel quite like looking back in a relationship that is years past as it would have been. If, you know, at the time she was writing it, if it was, if she was referring to the first time, I I honestly almost think that she had like come back to it and they had like tried again and been like, you know what? I kind of just like you as a friend now. (laughs) Yeah. Or she had just realized like, oh, you're not my person. Like you're a nice person, but you're not my person. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know what? That actually makes a lot of fucking sense. Well, we are the detectives. Yeah, we are. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, also, another interesting arm lyric. She does lyrics from Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell, which again, I mean, you're right. You're of Easter eggs. Like she really is revving up yeah. to give us red. We just need to understand to interpret her signs correctly. Yeah, exactly. Back then, I wasn't looking for shit like that. And I don't think any of us were, but she was serving it. God, oh, she was so giving it to us on nice. a silver platter. <laughs> yeah. So then on September 1st, she does an interview and a Q&A with fan questions at YouTube, which I thought was really cute. I remember being so happy when that came out because it was like a 45-minute interview of her just sitting there and being normal. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't some weird shite, her being like, I love the Kennedys, or her being like, I hate Kanye West. It was just like, he was asking her about tour and music and new music. She said she was writing at the time. And boy, was she writing. Boy, was she fucking writing. She also talks in depth about Tea Party and the spontaneity of it all. And I have to laugh. I have to laugh. It, she doesn't do it like she used to. No. It's actually like thinking about it now. It's actually kind of sad. And I mean, I guess the fact of the matter is that like she can't do it like she used to. And I guess that's sad. But it. I mean, it just is sad. It's like, man, back then, you know, like, I probably, like, really would have had a shot. But it's like now. Yeah, and you could really go to a show. You could go to a show and be like, damn, like, I might actually meet Taylor tonight. That's crazy. But, I mean, now. uh, Now it's like, if you don't have a notice of some description, you're not going to be getting backstage. I mean, it's very, very rare. they, They tend to more often than not pick people that they recognize from the internet. Which I just feel like is such a load of bullshit to a certain extent. Like, for the secret sessions, that's great. Like, that's perfect. I love it. But, like, for like for getting into, the, the like, a meet and greet or getting to, like, whatever the tea party or Loft 89 is for that era, I don't think the internet should have anything the fuck to do with it. Like, why? No, it's the whole point is that they pick people during up. the show yeah, exactly. that love exactly. her and are into the concert. Precisely. That's just my opinion. Though. So on September 13th, Taylor attends the Rodart. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Rodarte? I don't, oh, I don't know, know what it's called. It's, just, it's like some fashion brand. <laughs> uh, so she attends their 2012 fashion show and she looks interesting in an off-white lace dress. And she sits next to Anna Wintour for like an hour. I wish that I could be a fly on the wall with... 2011 Taylor and Anna Wintour having a conversation. Is that the one where her hair is like kind of straight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like side parted a little bit. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember that. And she was wearing the. She was like, I'm I'm grown. Yeah. I'm grown, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. You better get with it. I'm going to start singing about staying over at Jake Gyllenhaal's house. Yeah, I'm feeling my stuff. Buckle up. (laughs) Here I go. Um, And then we get the New Yorker profile, which I think is one of the most interesting profiles of her to date because it reveals a lot of things about her that I think are not presented in a light that she would choose to have been shown in. And interestingly, The New Yorker has been given, I'm pretty sure, no interviews from Taylor since this moment. So I thought that was very interesting. So I'll just read a few excerpts from it. In a world of low hands and wine houses, Swift is often cited as a role model, a designation she takes seriously. It's a compliment on your character, she told me. It's based on the decisions that you make in your life. I don't feel completely overcome by the relentless desire to put out a dark and sexy I'm grown up now album. Well, bitch, it happened. Have you heard of reputation? Have you heard of reputation? (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of it? I just think, again, she, we talked about this with another profile. I think it was Rolling Stone. She does a little bit play into the high horse, I'm better than you because I don't have breakdowns in public. And I don't love that. A lot of times, especially pre-1989, like, I would say pre her feminist awakening, she does have this tendency to uh, totally feed into it. And I don't know if that's because of something that her publicist told her to say. I don't know if it's because she thinks that it's a good thing that people see her that way. Back then, she thought that. I think that if you asked her now if she thought that it was a good thing that she was painted up as America's sweetheart for the longest time, I think she would say that that wasn't a good thing for her ultimately because it just, yes. it, it always leads to you crashing and burning because you make one, one, you do one thing wrong, one misstep. And all of a sudden you're like, Canceled. you go from America's sweetheart to, you know, fucking a piece of shit that everyone hates. 
so fast. And so fast. she faces the consequences of that particular fall from grace to this day. People have people feel very strongly about Taylor Swift. People hate her. Yeah, and she never even did anything close to the caliber of what some of her peers have had to go through. You know, like, look at Lindsay Lohan. Look at Britney fucking Spears. Look at what Britney yeah, Spears seriously. had to go through. She went from America's and, Sweetheart to, I mean, a... America's trash can America's is how she was presented as. Trash can. And, but it's this, still, Taylor has had to go through similar stuff still, even though she didn't do anything like what Britney did or what Lindsay Lohan did. Not that I'm shitting on what Britney and Lindsay did, because I think that it's the, the mental what happens to you when you're that famous and when you're when you're young really fucks you up it's so a not, miracle that that didn't them. happen to taylor because yeah. she is one of the most famous people in the world right. like on a different level i would say britney right. was obviously similar but she's been this famous for this long so it's surprising she hasn't had a crash she has had a crash but it, it just like it she didn't seem to take it as poorly as they did you know what i mean she bounced back very quickly she like she refocused did. very quickly she did it she i don't know me i think that she has a high m- emotional intelligence and i don't sure. think it's like hard for me to say this because i love britney spears but i don't think that she had the capability because of how young she was and and she and her parents were kind of taking advantage of her. Taylor has good parents. I mean, yeah, I, they I, were I don't financially think, stable. They didn't need yeah. her for a paycheck. Like they were all right. Brittany never had the support system. I think Taylor is really, really fucking lucky because it would have been real easy for her to go to go Lindsay or Brittany because of, you know. And what what grounds her? Yeah, what grounds her as well, I think, is that she did have some semblance of a normal childhood. Like, she wasn't she wasn't a child performer or a child star. I mean, she actively sought it out kind of against her parents' wishes when she was already a teenager. Right. So those, like, very formative years of being a child and, like, having a normal upbringing, being born on a Christmas tree farm, like, she had that. And it's like, she did it. You know, like, she wanted to be an artist. She wanted to do it. She created her own art. She put it out there. She did it. With Britney and Lindsay, I think that there was definitely a total sense of like pageant momming. You know what I mean? Like you're going. And they were not at the helm of their careers for sure. Exactly. Like they didn't create anything that they made in the early days. They were just put in the outfit, in hair and makeup, sent out, dance, be be slutty. You know. You know what I mean? So I don't doubt for a second that Taylor had a say in pretty much everything that she Uh, had done in her career. Yep, that's what I think too. So it's it's just like so different she's such a unique pop star as compared to those who have come before her i don't know she's just very interesting now that's why we have a whole podcast dedicated yeah like she's a very complex character (laughs) she is um and then also i thought that you might find this funny another uh excerpt from this article she recalled an incident from seventh grade a time that she clearly cannot escape (laughs) at the beginning of the year we were all sleeping over at somebody's house and she broke into a mock whisper they were all talking about how they wanted to sneak over to this guy's house because this guy had beer. And I was just like, she affected a panicked voice. I want to call my mom. I want to call my mom. My whole life, I've never felt comfortable just being edgy like that. Wow. I mean, a 13 13- Do we believe that she never had a sip of beer until she was 21 years old? I don't believe no. it for a second. No. She was sitting there on that couch and she was like, I just, I could never drink beer. And meanwhile, in her head, she's thinking about two weeks ago when she was puking in her toilet because her and Caitlin got too fucked up on PBR. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally. (laughs) It's true. I just, this, I mean, it was a little contrived. The shtick of like, I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to be a bad girl. You know, I remember I had like such this like weird kind of opinion about it because, you know, I at this time, like I went to Catholic school, like, you know, I all these other things about me. I won't get into my personal life, but like I was kind of like on the fence about like being this like oh perfect good girl. It's like it appealed to me. In, a, in some way, but in other ways, I was like, this just feels like a lie. Because I was a teenage girl who, you know, I wore a Catholic school girl's uniform and I hung out with girls who, 
you know, would talk about how I'm never going to be drunk. I, I'm never going to have sex before marriage. And I thought that shit was contrived and I knew it wasn't true. I was like, you're going to have sex before you get married, Margaret. Shut up. But like, um, I, it's just like this like weird, like rotating way of thinking about it. Like, oh, I like so much that she's a good girl. And then I would come back around and be like, but like, I'm not a good girl. Like, I don't like I'm her age and I don't like I don't I I've had liquor before. I've smoked a cigarette or two. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, this weird, like, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Like, I knew it couldn't be true. Yeah. And it's normal as well. That's that's what I want to stress to all the listeners is that, like, it's completely fine for you to rebel a little bit in your adolescence. Yeah. And Taylor definitely she did that. But it. for some reason, she felt that she had to control the narrative, which is something that continues on through her career. So that I think was a little bit unnecessary. Like you can say that say that you don't want to be edgy, fine. But do we need to go into the stories from seventh grade about how you were so good about oh, not dude, having a sip of beer? Of, okay, there's this magazine article. It I still have the cover. I want to say it was Cosmo Girl. I think it was. It's the the one you would recognize the cover. She's wearing jeans, skinny jeans, uh, like heart a heart shaped. Um, fucking earrings and like a black and white striped tank top inside the article there's like one of the quotes that's big and blown up is she's like I remember walking into the bathroom um, at school and hearing girls cry about something they did at a party the other night I never wanted to be that girl oh my I was like, Shut god up. I mean it's unlike you to pit yeah, women against like, other women, it, Taylor. I mean, <laughs> Maybe if you had a business that you cared about. <laughs> it's just, I mean, looking back on it, there were so many more moments. I always thought it was kind of light. Like, she was light on the good girl thing. But, like, looking back, it's like, oh, man, she could, she put logs on that fire again and again and again. Again, she did it to herself. That's the thing, is that, like, yes, the media definitely had a hand in portraying her as this, like, can never faulted good girl but also she yep, encouraged absolutely. it and she said it and then in the article another easter egg um the writer this is before red came out the writer said that swift is a songwriting savant with an intuitive gift for verse chorus bridge architecture that calls to mind swedish pop gods oh dr luke God. and max martin weird very interesting because Fucking what did she do weird. she went on to work with max martin so strange and then it like profiles her at the Met Gala and it says that she neared the top of the stairs and froze. She grabbed her publicist's sleeve in a panic and she said, am I supposed to talk to him or not? Standing by the door was the rapper Kanye West. Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, it was right after the kind of redemption she gave him with Innocent. And this makes me feel bad for her because I really, I don't, everybody thinks that she like has drama for sport for fun. I think that genuine conflict actually stresses her out and she's a, people pleaser she wants people to like her and this was one person who had made it very clear that as an artist he didn't respect god her. what a moment <laughs> that's crazy i it's like i remember that but i had forgotten about that for so long that moment it's like i can see that so like perfectly in my mind wow that's so fucked i wonder if they her if being they, like what they, do like, i say past each other and made eye contact or anything god that's so weird to think about i think in the article it goes on to say that they had a nice interaction and Taylor was really happy and went off oh, to the party. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, so weird. Wow. Okay. That's bizarre. Isn't that bizarre? I mean, that, that saga, it's just interesting how long that has been. Like how volatile their it relationship sucks. has been. Like every time I think about it, I'm like, you know, it's really shitty that Kanye has to be such a dick. And so inextricably linked yeah, to Taylor sucks. for the rest of her career. Like, no one will ever yeah. bring her up without mentioning her about. So then we get into, this is the part of the article I feel like Taylor didn't like, because she was really trying to keep the, the fact that she was a businesswoman, first and foremost, a boss bitch. That was still kind of on the DL in this era, because it didn't go well with the whole, I'm a good girl that just kind of, like, you know, loves to write songs, <laughs> and it's all really authentic. So it's like a scene that the writer paints, and... He calls her uh, a figure not unlike teenage monarch, the young Victoria, gracious and vulnerable, but also given her position of power, a bit terrifying. People bring her things, bottles of water, a styrofoam bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> Love that image. So funny. It just says her power and her youth at the same time. Um, and then at one point, Taylor and her mother, Andrea, were backstage talking about video content. And Taylor said, do we have the DVD? The ones that they gave me yesterday, I left at my condo. 
Andrea gets mad and says, how many ways did we express to Brittany, an assistant, that we needed those DVDs? And Taylor said, it's my fault. I was watching them last night. But then Andrea kind of snaps back and is like, if we had to count on you for everything, like not everything would get done because you're so busy. So I thought that was interesting, that moment of Andrea being like, you need to boss up and her being like, no, no, it's my fault. Like, I'll take the hit for that. That is interesting. What a weird fucking interaction. Just kind of like a weird, like, peek into the behind the scenes. That's why I think she didn't like it and never gave them an exclusive again, because she doesn't like to be profiled in a way that isn't controlled by her. God, I never, you know what? I never really thought about it that way. We don't really get instances of her having a conversation with somebody else while somebody else watches anymore do you know what i mean she very deliberately so makes sure that that weird. doesn't happen like the vogue profile for lovers so yeah, disappointing it, it so so very, disappointing it didn't it there's Contrived. one i always think of i think it was before 1989 i can't remember if it was I think it was the Rolling Stone. Was it one. the Rolling Stone one? It was just like so. I don't. I. I just don't know how to explain it. It was just like this, like true. I. I. I think I romanticized the, the 1989 era quite a bit because I think it was like the last time that I felt like really like close to her as an artist. And ever since she's ever yeah. since after 1989, everything that happened that year, she's just like sort of been a, a lot more distant. Which I. You can't blame her for that. I would be distant too, but it, it's like. No, but it's sad for yeah. us as fans yeah. that have been around for a long time and so, know like, the way we don't that it get, used to be. I mean, a be. profile like the one that we're talking about right now, it would never fucking happen again for a lot of reasons. But the 1989 one, too, it was just like, as compared to the Lover one, like, I enjoyed reading it because we hadn't gotten anything like that in forever. But, yeah, you're right. It, like, was almost, like, sort of, like, listening to, like, a... I don't know how to explain it. Like Being a fly on the wall, literally. Just like eavesdropping a scene yeah, that you're not yeah, supposed yeah. to see. But there is a lover profile for Guardian that is much better than the Vogue one. And I think that it was because it was for a UK readership rather than the American one. I think she's way more controlled when it comes to American media because that they, they are the ones that yeah, really sensationalize and fuck her over. Um, so then in that same article, lots of interesting tidbits. She is in Detroit and the writer says that she seemed somewhat melancholy. Once in a while, I had the feeling that she was on the verge of bursting into tears. She said that she had re- recently decided that life is about achieving contentment. You're not always going to be ridiculously happy. She had written about 10 songs so far for the next album, asked to characterize them. She said, they're sad, if I'm being honest. The most recent one, she said, is about moving on. So I'm thinking that she was talking about Sad, Beautiful, Tragic, because she said she wrote that on the tour bus. And that feels like the mood that she's kind of hinting at yeah, that's actually in this moment. Interesting. That's a fun but who will know? That probably was Sad, Beautiful, Tragic, which is such a weird song. I, I mean, I guess Sad, Beautiful, Tragic is about moving on, but like it's a really fucking sad moving on song. Oh, it's sad. And it's also, I can see that song being written on a tour bus. It has that kind of, like, lilting. Yeah. Like, it feels like it's never going to end, the song, kind of. Not in a bad way, but it just, it feels like it's You know, Red honestly has such a huge collection of sad songs, more than any other album. It's just, like, so fucking sad. But then it has, like, these weird, uh, let's not get it, let's talk about when we get to the actual album. I could go. (laughs) I know. There's so much to unpack with Red. So on October 13th, 2011, Wonderstruck launches at Macy's in New York. Taylor does an in-store meet and greet. She has her hair up. She's wearing a striped dress. I would have sold my left arm to go to that meet and greet. I don't know why that has always been. I love the pictures. I love the videos. There's a video of a little girl being scared and Taylor like picks her up and brings her over and it's so sweet to her. I I actually know a couple of people that did get to meet her at that event. I remember people camped out overnight to get spaces for that. It was at Sephora. And then she did one at Sephora in Nashville. What what was the one? There's a really iconic Wonderstruck launch dress and I obsessed over it. It's the one, it's black and it has chandeliers on it. Do you remember that one? I wanted that dress. I was yes. given and it's anything, like kind of high neck short to sleeves. have been able to own that dress. Like I was obsessed over it. The looks she served promoting Wonderstruck were really good. She went on GMA and she had her hair blown out. Yes. She looked really cute. <laughs> so then after the the fragrance isn't out yet, by the way. This is like a, a launch event. Uh, then she goes and gets inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame, Legend Deserved. And she sings a cover of Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning. I can't say nope. I've ever listened to never that. Never heard it. Never heard it. Nope. I don't think I've ever heard nope. it. Never sought it out. Um, well, if anyone's heard it, let us know if it's good, if we should waste our time. Because yeah. she's very hit and miss with her covers. 
October 10th, 2011, Joe Jonas attends his third Speak Now tour in San Diego. Um, So she's laying the groundwork for that song. And it was entirely inspired by this day and their relationship. The secret message is when he came to the show in San Diego. And her arm lyrics for the night, which I thought were so perfect, were memories fade like looking through a fogged mirror. And that's exactly how I feel about Holy Ground. That's the vibe the song You're totally right. That's totally true. That's deep. She, she's, I, she's at the time that she has on her fucking hands. I don't understand where she finds <laughs> I know, time. given she, how fucking busy <laughs> she is. So then on October 19th, she goes on Ellen to promote Wonderstruck. This was a flop appearance for me. She pretend, she gets scared while acting out a commercial with Ellen. I think it's generally unfunny. I don't think Ellen is funny. <laughs> um, as we know, I'm tired of the Ellen and Taylor Ellen dynamic. <laughs> don't, I'm kind of scared of her. I had a childhood fear of her face, so I'm just not super i just thought she was scary i would cry so she picks a girl in the audience dressed as a wonderstruck bottle to win tickets and that was amazing oh yeah i remember that i I remember the the fucking outfit that was a really good moment the ways that we humiliate ourselves to meet taylor continues to astound me it happens to be taylor and you're dressed up like a perfume bottle a person like i don't know if i could live with it you couldn't even see her you couldn't even, they even had the cap on her head and everything. <laughs> Imagine that being your picture. And it's on television. Then on October 21st, Wonderstruck is officially launched. We get some cute behind the scenes content of her creating it. She seemed really involved, which not all the celebrities can say that about their perfumes. Um, we also get an absolute serve of visuals. And the closest thing that we get uh, yep. to a video yep, for that Enchanted, dress. that oh, dress. God. Which eventually auctioned for a lot of money. I think like 30 Gs. But I love those visuals so much. Imagine if we had an Enchanted video that was like that. Honestly, it's like almost too much for me to think about. (laughs) It's like overwhelming. It was so good. And like, I don't know. I think Wonderstruck was such a good name to pick for the perfume. Like just a great tie-in with the album. She's so smart. And honestly, like the bottle design with the little charms and like the so cute i love it to this day yeah it's really and it smells fucking good it really smells good they don't sell them anymore because they're fucks yes (laughs) i've stocked up (laughs) i have like two bottles of it i'm scared to use it and the charms keep falling i have like a backlog so like i i have the original bottle that i got when it first came out which i still have because i bought the big one and there's like there's not a lot maybe like a quarter left of it so I don't really use it anymore just because and then I also my parents bought me like one of those gift sets which came with like a smaller size and then a tiny little baby one yeah and the lotion and the lotion baby one that you like it has like you take off the top and it has like a little stick so you can just like put a little bit on your wrist so I have one of those too Uh, the top notes are raspberry freesia and blackberry with middle notes of honeysuckle hibiscus and vanilla and base notes of peach, amber, sandalwood, and musk. If you haven't smelled this, I don't know how you're going to because it's been discontinued. It's kind of spicy, but also super sweet and musky. I really like it. Uh, it's the best one. Um, Wonderstruck Enchanted is a piece of hot garbage. So October 31st, 2011, Taylor finally zooms back down to earth and adopts the hateful and humble Meredith Swift. A Scottish vogue, <laughs> she said, shop, don't adopt. <laughs> and she <laughs> uploads that video of Meredith meowing back at her when Ta- when Meredith actually liked to give Taylor the time of day. I love Meredith. I stand Meredith. She's my favorite cat of Taylor's. I think that she She's definitely the best treats, her, she treats her mean and keeps her humble. Yeah, that, that's what she deserves. It's what she needs. She has the most attitude. She's the queen. She rightfully sits on her throne. I yep. love Meredith. I love that story of her attacking someone at a secret session. And then she was banned <laughs> from attending secret sessions ever since. Someone just like wandered into a bedroom. I don't know how they let her do this, but someone let that like the fans were wandering around the house. They don't let you do that anymore. Um, and yeah. they went into Taylor's or like someone's bedroom and Meredith was on the bed and they went to go pet her and she like savaged someone's hand. I mean, they deserve it. <laughs> they fucking deserve it. If she, I saw Meredith, you walked into her space. Yeah, if I saw Meredith, I'd be like, from a distance, I'd I would go, hey, Meredith. And then yeah, I'd I would bow gracefully yeah. <laughs> and not go anywhere near her. And then November 9th, 2011, she performs ours at the CMA Awards and wins Entertainer of the Year. I fucking love that performance. She's yes. sitting on like a living room couch with yep. these 
cute antiques. It's when she's going through her antique phase and she just sits there with her fucking guitar and sings her cute love song. And it is so good. It's very cute. It's iconic. The vocals are good for once in her life. Sometimes, you know, when she sits down with a guitar on an award show, it is hit and miss. Yep, it's true. I remember um, White Horse on the fucking... That was so bad. Or, I mean, any of the Fearless Era performances on live TV were just Just not it. It just wasn't it. But this one was cute. She seemed calm and she got a standing ovation. So I was very happy for her. And that song deserves. It deserves. It deserves. And it was about John Mayer, which is very funny to me in hindsight, because she sings it very sweetly and clearly fucking hates him. Yeah. (laughs) And on the 20th of November, she was fucking busy this month. She attends the AMAs, and she wins Album of the Year, or Artist of the Year, I'm not sure, and Country Female. She wears a pretty gold dress. This was like an iconic Taylor look. I feel like I saw this on Tumblr all the time. She wears that gold dress with her hair straightened and a low side pony. Nicki Minaj presents her with the award, and she hangs out with Katy Perry. Mm, yes yes and Katy perry has that weird ass pink hair you know that big ass pink hair that she has <sighs> well i mean you could be referring to any number of things but yes i i know in particular. <laughs> it was during yeah. the one that got away that kind of era <laughs> yep yep was that teenage dream that she was doing that yeah yep. it was okay. like the tail end of teenage dream yeah, okay and then on november 21st the speak now world tour cd dvd is released i think we've talked about this but the dvd is amazing it's so well shot and we get all of those covers. Someone reminded me that her Nashville cover is from the deluxe edition of that. And then on November 22nd, 2011, interestingly, she releases ours as the final single from Speak Now. It receives critical acclaim. Like, it gets really good reception from critics. Well, good. However, the video is a hot piece of shit. Is that what you're going to say? The video. No, no, no. We're getting to that. What I was going to okay. say is that Aaron Thompson from Seattle Weekly says, if this was a movie, it's better than ours. Well, that's because because he knows what taste is. He (laughs) knows what, how the ear works. He understands what sound is. (laughs) He has heard this song and knows that it is superior to almost anything Taylor has ever put out. Yep. Very true. You know, I was actually And also our fight is being, our fight is being fought. It's being won. If this was a movie, it's coming up in people's mouths. It is. It is. It is because, because of our good work, because of the things that we are doing. I just want to say there are a lot of conversations that have been going on that I think have kind of originated from the evolution of Snake. I mean, I'm just saying. No one was calling if this was a movie, one of her best songs until we put out that episode. Not until we said it. Not until we said it. And I won't rest until I get the lyrics from the bridge, which means I'm never going to rest. Speaking of, do you think she's, if if she's actually going to re-record her albums, do you think that she's going to do if this was a movie? Absolutely not. I <laughs> wish that she would. I, I wish that she would. But she seems to be stubbornly ignoring it. She's just such a fucking asshole sometimes. Like, I know. She's such a bitch. How I mean, she be? has to. It, and it's so good i don't get why she doesn't know this song like like, literally she doesn't know it i almost don't even want her to because it's like i think about it she's like i'm gonna reimagine it it's like no you're fucking not no you won't and you're gonna re-record exactly as it was note for note but you're gonna use your new mouth and use your words (laughs) and you're gonna say what you mean in the bridge (laughs) yeah so everybody keep fighting this fight let's get it as a b-stage song i don't think i'll be able to handle it if she does it that's gonna be i will lose my goddamn mind two full circle of a moment for us we need to have some unresolved things yeah (laughs) and on november 27th a few days later she gets coffee with will anderson in nashville he is from the band parachute and allegedly this is what begin again is about this date that she went on cool casual coffee date i didn't realize that there were more people there than just them there were like other friends there i'm pretty sure caitlin was there oh yeah i remember this little fucking weirdo i thought it was such bullshit <laughs> i literally remember reading about begin again being about this fucking like nobody and being like really this dude and it's like so funny because it was such a throwaway thing to her i think the song is honestly about starting to date as opposed it's not to, even it's not really about a person no. if you listen to the lyrics it's it's, it's triggered a, by this person yeah. but it's really more about how she's adjusting her attitude back to being hopeful about love uh, speaking of um you know the song that parachute wrote 
about Taylor, right? The um, no, I don't. Oh my god, really? I what it, is it it's called? Actually, kind of a slap. <laughs> it's, it's oh, called, of course, it's it is. called White Dress, and it's actually really fucking good. I. I mean, I cannot. Well, it has to be better than Paper Doll by John Mayer. Oh my God! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! John Mayer could never do what Parachute did, which he honestly is like embarrassing. <laughs> but like the song is actually cute. The bridge is really good. Um, that's what I'll say. What are the lyrics like? Is it complimentary? It is. It's super complimentary. Um, it it it's so interesting. Also, but not Adam Young creepy. No, no, not at all. Not at all. It's it's good. It's just about I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's just like weird to hear somebody describe Taylor in a song and not vice versa and it actually be good. Like you know what I mean? People nobody is at that level that you know like to describe her in a good way. But for one moment in time, this random white boy was good enough to describe Taylor in a song. I know, and he got her attention too. I feel like this year she was kind of really trying it out I think she was way more heartbroken than any of us really put together at the time and she was just trying to find a way to move on yeah yeah and she wears heels now so we come to the end of the year and this is when everything changes not to like randomly include red here but you know everything has changed um on December 1st 2011 the world shifts on its axis. Ruth Bader Ginsburg shakes in her boots mm-hmm, again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because Taylor Swift tweets, got a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I lost my mind when I saw this picture. And it's just a casual picture of her at dinner with her friends with fucking bangs and blown out hair. She said, good Bye, Pippi Longstocking. I am going to be a pop star. I'm that bitch now. I don't know if you heard, but yeah. If you don't know, you can ask. Yep. She is. <laughs> she got a haircut and I, wow, what a moment. Her hair is such a thing, you know, like her long, curly, big, fluffy hair. That was really her thing. That was like her, how we, everybody identified her when people would like draw portraits. Her silhouette had like the big curls. Like, this was a moment when she changed her hair and, like, committed to something. She hadn't done a new hairstyle since she debuted. So it was it was, it was kind of crazy. I mean, I lost it. Um, but she said it was a random choice. Don't believe that for a second. Nope. And she did it for a photo shoot. And I believe that it ended up being the Vogue photo shoot in yeah. February of the next year that yes. I loved. Yes, yes, yes. I, yes. And I remember, actually... I was a kind of a purist back in the day. Oh, yes. I, you were. I did not like that hair at fucking all. I hated it. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? What is this <laughs> fucking joke? I hated it. I was it. like, who is this? I hated it. I And I don't think I, I started, loved it. I don't think I started to like it ever. I don't think I ever <laughs> <laughs> was like, okay, it's serving. Like, I never, ever thought. Definitely in hindsight, like, the, the change of hair was, it was, like, it's kind of a serve. Back then. I yeah, the world it. shifted on its axis, as I yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. But, like, looking back, it's like, that was such, like, it was, was a big deal. It was an Easter egg. It was like, red is coming. That's what she said when she changed her hair. Uh, That's what she said to us. Yep. <laughs> and then, so the day after she did that, the R's music video comes out. And I forgot that she has the new hair in the music video. It's just put up. Like, it's in a bun. Yeah, that fucking And that video music video was so weird. It was so weird. It's just garbage. Like, it. The you know, only thing we got good from that was that gif of her going, love you, like, with her hand heart. I don't get it. She had an obsession with soldiers coming home. I don't know why. <laughs> and it continues. <laughs> like, for this love on the 1989 tour, on the 1989 <laughs> Secret Session, that was weird. <laughs> She's strange. It's just, like, bizarre. I mean. It was so random. It's not really what the song is about. The song is about, like, other people not approving. It's not about your husband being away for war. It's a super southern thing to give a shit about is soldiers coming home for more. Not that, I mean, I guess I should, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this. Not that everyone everywhere else doesn't give a shit. It's just like the South really gives a shit. Yeah, they really care about this (laughs) stuff. It's a big deal. 
Like, they are coming home. Like, you know those videos of, like, the compilation videos? I, I mean, I watch yes. them and I cry. I've seen them. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, 100%. Like it, I mean, they're meaningful and, like, good for them. Good job, you guys, I guess. But does Taylor Swift need to include it in a music video for ours of all the songs? I like just this, don't think so. It's like, and why is she so desperate to be included in some kind of, like, country music narrative? I know. What's wrong with her? <laughs> <laughs> this was like how can i insert myself into american iconography here she's like the kennedys <laughs> soldiers which Maybe is funny now swifties are braver than the marines but this is the thing is that did you think about her being obsessed with soldiers coming home and then she sits there and she says okay miss americana and the heartbreak prince talking about how american patriotism is fucking weird well it's like girl you put out a video you <laughs> loved it you had fourth of july parties for years you cooked your hot dog <laughs> <laughs> and you lit your sparklers and you danced around and took a million photos. Don't try and tell us that you don't love being an American. <laughs> so the artist music video gets released. We're kind of meh about that one. It felt like it dragged on forever. The office stuff wasn't funny. It just, the looks were bad. Like it wasn't, it just wasn't a good music video. No. And it's in horrible quality as well. Who are That's loafers? Thing that pisses me loafers? <laughs> I know. And Taylor, in what world am I supposed to believe that you know what it feels like to work in a boring office job and get ignored all the time? You don't know. <laughs> don't it's never happen to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then she attends Billboard Women in Music Award and she debuts the new banks and she wears a red dress and we're so fucking dumb. We're, we're all dumb. We're so dumb. Dude, it's like the fucking red shoes picture in the studio. She ushers in a new era suddenly and she uh, accepts Woman of the Year. That's the first time she won Woman of the Year at the Billboard Women in Music because she's a powerful female legend. Yep, exactly. And then on December 13th, she tweets, I'm so 22 right now. And that is how she stayed. <laughs> she has been... 22 ever since that day she, she just can't shake it <laughs> she'll be 81 and feeling yep, 22 yep. that's her life now that's her life and you know what all the swifties that are turning 22 recently you're welcome yep, you're fucking welcome <laughs> you have the content for it <laughs> so she had a small birthday party in nashville and i looked at an article and it said that it was star studded you know who these stars were <laughs> tell me <laughs> <laughs> hot shell ray <laughs> Parachute and Haley Williams. Fuck! No, I, I'm no hater, but I'm not thinking that this was compared to other stuff she's done. A star-studded event. Why the, the agency Hawk Shell Ray and Parachute? Please. When she this was during this period of time when she would befriend these random white men like Hot Shell Ray. Don't give know. A and fuck. the Glee cast members. Why? <laughs> Taylor, no one gives a shite. <laughs> Star-studded. What we really get, this one really shook me hard, because uh, Madeline and I, at this stage, were both very obsessed with the Hunger Games. We were very obsessed. I had turned, do you remember on uh, Tumblr when you had to, like, announce when you were going to include a different kind of content yep. on your blog? Yep, yep, I remember that vividly. So I was like, hey, guys, I just want to let you all know that uh, I'm going to be Hunger Games and Taylor Swift blog. I hope that that's okay with you. And I lost like 500 followers because I started <laughs> out a Hunger Games. And I would like think about how to intersperse all, these two different things into one blog. People got very mad. But you know what? At this point, when Safe and Sound came out, if you weren't standing in the Hunger Games and Taylor Swift, you were a fake fan. You were a fake Swifty. Yeah, you were. Oh, and you were missing sorry. out on some excellent content. Content. Ladies, content. And Safe and Sound. And we did. By say. the way, I, hands down, best song she's ever done for a movie. Hands down. Hands down. Oh, a million percent. Yeah. And also, it kind of, I remember it coming really by surprise. Like, I think she announced it one day, and the next day the song yeah. was out. And I remember hearing it and being like, whoa. Because it was so different to anything she had done. It was so mature. It was spooky. Perfect song for you, because it's like a very yeah. Halloween-ish yeah. Yeah. song. It's spooky. It's her spookiest song, for sure, other than Haunted. But it's spooky in a different way. The Civil Wars and Taylor Swift writing together is a writing collaboration that I wish we could do again yeah. because I just thought they came up the harmonies and this was her first time that she really served us vocals as well because there was restraint there was control it was soft it was breathy oh it was so good like I don't know how to describe it it was just such a blip 
And also this got us really hyped for the next album because we all thought this was the direction she was going in and boy were we like, Yeah, I mean it's it's like kind of indie-ish. I guess you could argue it's just like uh it's just like red is kind of like that, but not really. It's like she does acoustic a couple of times on red, but for the most part it stands yeah, alone. Stephen Sound is it was a pop culture it's moment. It's artistic, truly. It was a fucking religious moment. It was yes. a moment of national security. Like people It was a national security threat, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We were on lockdown for a while after yeah. that. Yeah, and I mean, she fucking snapped when she sat there and wrote that song. I, well, with, oh, she with, did. with the Civil Wars, they were there too, but I, in my mind... And I remember uh, that year I had gotten into Poison and Wine as well, so when I heard that they were collaborating with Taylor and it was for the Hunger Games, I was like, <laughs> oh my god. Taylor made for me! <laughs> and it was co-written by a member of Bob Dylan's band, which I thought was super interesting because it does have that like indie singer-songwriter vibe yeah, to yeah. it. And it was just so different and so grown up as well. It was really like a mature, because it wasn't about a relationship. It really was, I love when Taylor takes like a fictional thing and makes that a song, like Miss Americana, your new stand song. That is completely like a story that she made up. Mine, you could argue as well, is a song that's kind of based off of something like well, that. Well, same thing with Death by a Thousand Cuts. This is where she became a critical darling and people started, stopped looking at her as just a teenage artist. They were like, wow, like. I mean, the proof was there already, but she just served them some more food to eat. And they said, yes, please, thank you. Uh, It peaked at number 30 on the Hot 100, which I understand it's not a radio song. But I remember people, this shit was in different areas. Different people were kind of getting into this song. It sort of had this kind of like way about it where it's like, okay, if you like Taylor Swift, obviously you're going to like Safe and Sound. But also if you didn't like Taylor Swift, you know, like it. You wouldn't know it was her if you heard yeah, it. You wouldn't yeah. know. It, it, it took a lot of people by surprise, especially because like it was linked to the Hunger Games. So like a different fandom had was served this, and they had to listen to it because it was something that was related to the movie that they were excited about. And like a lot of people, I remember that too. Like a lot of people being like, "Wow, this is Taylor Swift. Wow, this is actually good." And then there was you know the small sect of people that were like, "Get this stupid blonde bitch away from my movie." <laughs> <laughs> but very- well you know what and also you know what I liked is that a lot of people at first assumed that it was a Peatness song but it's really Rue and Katniss that's really what it's about to me at least I think it's I think it's about or it's a prim and Katniss I think the the certain verses are about different people um I think that Peta I think that he gets a verse but I think that Rue also gets a verse in that song Gail is not included I think we can all agree on that yes yeah, so we also got this the day after Christmas which was iconic because, you know, I love a gift. I, I love a present. Thank you so much, Taylor. A late present. Thank you, Taylor. You are queen. <laughs> yes. We love you. Yes. And the critics loved this. They did. They ate it all up. And they still cite it to this day in articles that they write reviewing her current stuff. But I think it was interesting because it was such a pivot. And it was, she always tricks us before an album comes out. Like, she always releases something to get our gears going and then switches lanes. And that's exactly what she did with Save and Sound. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that's how we end this oh, year. Oh, really? So and, how? We I mean, end it with Susan? Yeah, that's it. Okay. December 26th. It was a great way to end. Yeah. And the last month was like very accelerated growth and evolution for her. Yeah. So I think she was just ready. She was she listening was to her Jenny Mitchell songs. <laughs> I would guess that the album was... Actually, not almost done because she still hadn't written 22. I would say that the bulk of it was done, though, because for me, I think the pop stuff was a, a late addition. I think that, Red. too, because if you take the pop stuff off of Red, it's it's a very cohesive It's very album. cohesive. And then she, she peppers it in like she's she's putting salt on, on the on like flavors, uh, seasoning. Yeah, yeah. Yes, she's yes. seasoning it for us. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if you had to wrap up this year, Madeline, what are your thoughts on 2011? So, um, 2011, it, it's a very interesting gap year between albums because she did so much shit. She was everywhere all the fucking time. We were getting fed. And reuniting with her exes all yeah, the time. I, a perfume, a new song, a new haircut. Jeez, we were getting fed. She was totally ready to like make this transition between her first three albums, which honestly, now that I'm looking back on all of her records, and, and you know, I have all seven of them now, those first three albums are their own category. 
and I think that really they're different Taylor Swift yeah the red started a new category honestly I think it goes red through 1989 and then I think that reputation and lover are also in their own kind of category Mm -hmm. with probably the next album that we get I think it'll fit in there but I sometimes I've started to think that we it might I think she's gonna take a break yeah I think that too because I feel I I think so it's over time for her to take a break she's gonna get married to Joe I'm pretty sure and I don't well it's interesting that we don't have tour that's really interesting she's never announced an album and not immediately and I really like to have the tour information because I need to know (laughs) I want to plan yeah so if I had to sum up this year I would say a huge moment of evolution you know that's what we're all about here on the evolution of the snake yep I am scared to get into 2012 because planning for the podcast is now going to get absolutely fucking insane because when Taylor decided to be a pop star she said she was going to be everywhere and do absolutely everything and then all the drama came to all it's going to be insane so 2012 through 2016 every single every single podcast is going to be a fucking nightmare 2012 part one is going to be okay because the album doesn't come out until the end of the year so I reckon the next episode will be January through to the live chat and then after the live chat that will be the second episode because there will just be so much to talk about Mm, yeah so I mean it's gonna it's gonna be intense but I'm very excited to talk about Red that's my favorite Taylor Swift album so I will be beating the shit out of Madeline (laughs) telling her to shut the fuck up Oh, it's gonna be fun! It's gonna be fun. Oh, we also have to thank everyone for ten thousand listeners. Oh yeah, that's right. We made it, and we didn't even have to try. It just happened. no, we did it. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, we're very, we're very grateful to have an engaged audience, and we're sorry that we can't deliver to you more regularly. But you know, this is just the way it's gotta be. It's just you know, two twenty somethings, you know, working, making money, living, and on the talking side, shit about Taylor Swift. We stand. <laughs> Also, we want a chart. We want a chart. We're like our mother. We care about the charts. Yep. The highest we've ever charted is like 24. I want to say we want to break the top 20. Yep. So stream it, download it. I mean, we are. We always will be. <laughs> yeah. Just by virtue of not being him. Yep. <laughs> um, so everyone, please follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on Apple Music. And as always, let us know your thoughts over on our Twitter. Madeline has been checking it more. So come and harass us. And also thank you to the girl. There's this girl that tweets us when we, whenever we release a new episode. And she compiles all the looks that we talk about. Oh, does she? I, did, I was not aware of that. Yes. That's actually really cool. I can't remember her name right now. But you are a queen, whoever you are. And she said <laughs> she was going to do it for this upcoming okay, episode. Cool. Thank you. This is already too much work for yeah. us. <laughs> All right, that about wraps up this episode. So yeah, subscribe, follow us, go check out our Twitter at T-Swift Podcast to stay updated. We do feed you guys a little bit in between episodes. And I'm going to say, I don't want to be overly ambitious here, but we'll try and have 2012 part one up in the next month or so. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And we will see you again in the next episode.